0: Hey, Transform Podcast listeners. We weren't able to record a new episode this week. So instead, we asked our community what one of their favorite sermons was, and this is what they selected. We'll be back next week with a new episode. I just, I love this book. It's my favorite Old Testament book of the, in the Bible. And it's just been such a joy to preach this uh, sermon series with you all. And um, so in the, in the first sermon, which was two weeks ago. And if you missed any of these and you'd like to catch up, you can do so at sjdenver.tv. And what we covered in that sermon was kind of an um, a overview of where Solomon's going that he sought after the meaning of life with all his wisdom and all his money. And we saw that money put to use last week, did we not? Okay. 216 billion dollar house okay so he outdid us Um, he sought after the meaning of life with all of his five senses um, but he came up empty and what we found is that when we search for the meaning of life in what is temporary and we don't look to the things that are eternal we come up empty just like solomon And that the invitation as we go through this series is that we all need the sixth sense. And what I mean by that is the spiritual sense of faith in your life. The spiritual sense of faith in your life gives meaning to everything else. And this is Solomon talking to us on his deathbed after everything that he did. And he's going to give us what we need to know. Um, He tried, and we saw this last Sunday, putting that money to use with everything you can imagine to fill his heart up with pleasure and happiness. So he tried uh, real estate, pleasure, gardening, uh, comedy, live music. He tried everything that you can imagine. He opened up about his sexual life as well. He brought all of it to the table, all of the pleasures in this life that we think are going to fill us and satisfy our hearts and satisfy our souls. But then the conclusion was that it also was vanity and a chasing after the wind. Um, And that word that it is used in the sermon, or rather in the book, multiple times, vanity, is a word that we should take away. That it means literally vapor. Something that is elusive. Chasing after the wind is like you're trying to chase after something that you're trying to grab onto and and grasp, but it's eluding you. It's not something solid that you can grasp that can be contained. And so he did so much work and effort to try to find out the meaning and purpose of life, but he came up empty looking to the things that are temporary. Here's what I would tell you as we walk through this sermon series together and also as we go through the Bible together as a community and look at the word of God is this. God's word is always harder, but it's always better. God's word is going to challenge you to something higher and greater, but it's always better for your life. Um, what I would tell you is that in scripture, there are positive things, right? So positive, like feel-good sermons. Uh, usually after the feel-good sermons, everybody's like, that was an awesome sermon, pastor. Okay? So that's, a tr- that's kind of a trend with like all the pastors will say that. If it's a feel-good message, everybody's like high-fives, right? But then scripture wants to have positive but then also negative it wants, to also, it wants to give you love, but then also correction. But even the correction is love. So when you, when you correct your children, or if you're bold and courageous, your grandchildren, um, you're doing so out of love, right? It's not that you hate them or that you want to be negative, but rather it's because you love them so much. And so even scripture has what's called rebuke even sometimes. Uh, But that also is God's love. It's not meant to hurt you, but to love you and bless you so that you would flourish during your life on this earth. And so uh, as we go through Ecclesiastes, we're going through it courageously and boldly. Like We want to know what were his findings at the end of his life that is placed right in the middle of our Bibles um, from King Solomon. Um, And here's what I would tell you, Matt Chandler, who had a great contribution to the book of Ecclesiastes in 2006, author Matt Chandler says this, There's nothing you will do on earth that is not a repeat of what he has already done. Okay, so there is great truth and wisdom for our lives in this book that's going to get us to think, and how badly do we need this now in this season of our lives? Okay, so there is a a desire now to go post-pandemic living, right? That's where we're kind of headed. But the temptation, the temptation is to forget everything we learned in last year. And just live exactly like we did pre-pandemic. But what if God wants to speak to your not new normal, but renewed normal as you move forward in this life post-pandemic, that he would transform your priorities and your perspective for his glory and the good of others. All right, so let's walk through it. And we'll just, I'm not going to read the whole thing again, but we'll just highlight some of the main thoughts and talk about them. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 14. And actually, here is the question that I want to frame for today and where he's going today. What outcomes are you laboring for right now? This is a good Father's Day sermon. What is your pursuit, and what outcomes are you wanting to see happen? Uh, for my Pastoral Leadership Institute training, I read a book. It's about what the world's greatest managers do, and they did research of thousands of managers across the world, and they also surveyed their employees that are thriving under these great managers. And one of the 12 findings of the research study was the outcomes must be defined clearly for the employees. And then also, there must be some accountability towards those outcomes. So in the same way for us, for you, for me, in our daily lives, with everything we're toiling for, what are we toiling for? What's the purpose? What's going to matter in the end? All right. Now we can roll. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 14 says this. The wise person has his eyes in his head. But the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. All right. So you hear Solomon have a contrast between the wise and the foolish. And if you really want to pick up on a lot of his Proverbs about wise living, you can read the book of Proverbs. And he wrote that as well. Um, And so he still believes and is strong in this fashion that it is better to go through this life with the wisdom of the Lord rather than not having that perspective, not having that vision, not having that purpose for your life. Um, so we go back to that original question and we ask, like, what are the outcomes that we are going after? And here's what I would say, the fool only is just thinking about himself just himself. The wise person is thinking about others too. Is thinking about people, not just about me. Now we all have this temptation in our life, don't we? We all have this temptation to just get focused on self. So um, it can happen um, as we get more money, we get more convenience, right? We get more money, we get more convenience, we get more comfort, the temptation with that more money and that more convenience is just to think about me. What's going to be easier for me? What's going to be peaceful for me? What's going to be less stressful for me? But then, as we look at this passage of scripture, Solomon is going to get us to think about something higher than that. Something greater than that. Something more transcendent than just that, uh, that purpose of me, but rather Others. Okay, so, and he is going to, at the end of this little phrase, what does he say is the event that happens to all of them? Okay, you guys can go ahead and say it. Death. Death. And so, um, it's an event that happens to all of us. And he's going to pick it back up in chapter 7 as well. Check out what he says here. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. Why does he say this, you guys? Why is he challenging us in this fashion? Matt Chandler says this what if instead of ignoring death, we spent a little more time on it than we do? This is relevant on Father's Day. And it's relevant no matter what the day is. Our propensity is to, as we think about the outcomes of life, as we think about what our purpose is on this earth, our propensity is to not want to look at death and talk about it. Um, I remember a lawyer that I know in Oregon. Um, he does people's estates. So he does people's will. Um, if you don't have a will, you ought to get one. Um, that's not the point of the sermon, though. Um, but what he says is like, no one wants to call me back. And I'm just thinking, that is biblical. Like, no, no one wants to look at it. No one wants to. We ought to look at it. We ought to consider it. We ought to be challenged. To allow ourselves to be challenged. Why? It's the great equalizer at the end of the day. And that's what he's frustrated with. If I'm wise or I'm a fool, we both die. That's what he's getting at. It is the problem that assaults us all. It's the enemy that we will all face. And my question is this. When was the first time that you thought about it? When in your life did you just, like it just hit you? This is going to happen to me one day. And maybe prior to that, you hadn't really thought about it that much. Uh, For me, it happened um, when I was doing my vicarage. For those of you who are newer to the Lutheran Church, that is an internship, which is your third year in seminary. And I did mine at Peace Lutheran in Arvada here, just not too far from us. And you're kind of in training. So they were like, all right, you need to go to this memorial service, and you need to observe how Pastor Dave does it. And you need to learn. And then you're going to go and you're going to learn. So I went and I sat down. And it was the memorial service of a girl that was 20 years old that just passed away tragically. And so I'm sitting there and it hits me hard. And then I didn't know that people did this at memorial services. What they do is they do a PowerPoint slideshow with very sentimental music during the whole thing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And everybody just started bawling and crying. And I started crying. And I was like, this is what God's entrusting me with. And I'm supposed to preach something that's going to, like, make a difference at this? And so it just hit me hard at that point in my life, because I think I was like 29. What about you? When did it hit you to think about, all right, there's an end to this earthly life. What is important while I'm here? What is important? What outcomes are important while I am here during this short life on this earth because of this? One day, I'm going to lay down, I'm going to look my children in the eye, and my eyes are going to close. What's going to matter? What matters? There's a man by the name of Alan Harrington who has grasped onto this concept of death from a secular perspective, but... He's like, we gotta do something scientifically to overcome this. Science has done a lot for us, right? So he's like, maybe there's a way to overcome death. I think also from my research, Google is still researching how to overcome death too. But here's here's what I would say, there's limits. There's limits to science. There's limits to human achievement. There's limits to sports. There's limits to what, you know, like the Guinness Book of World Records. Like, great. One of my friends, every Facebook post is about sports awards. Children, adults, sports awards. Sports, 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 sports. But at the end of the day, is that what really matters in the end. Okay? So, let's see where he goes next. He goes, this is what he says. I hated all my toil, in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. So he, he's looking at his son, and he's like, we're in trouble. He's looking at Rehoboam, who is his son that will be the king after him. And he was like, I can already see what's going to happen. And he actually was right. We, we can see why he had a little bit of frustration. Because Rehoboam, uh, would inst- he would institute really high taxes and the people didn't know why. And then there was this division between the northern and southern kingdoms. The northern kingdom became what we know as Israel in the Old Testament. The southern kingdom became what is known as Judah. So they're divided under Rehoboam. So he's like, you know, I have all this money. I'm a billionaire. Last week some website said he's a trillionaire. The world's first and last. And he's like, and who knows whether my son will be a wise man or a fool. He's not really excited about birth privilege. Um, Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So what's he saying? Is my legacy just going to be money? That's it? And then the the dude's going to take my money and it's going to go great, I'm sure. He's looking at legacy and he's not that excited about what he's looking at. So, when we read the Old Testament, we get to read it as New Testament followers of Jesus. Solomon knew that there was eternity. He knew there was eternal life. And if you want to hear more about that, that concept, and we're going to just jump into it with a beautiful passage. It's actually excuse me, uh, the passage that the band The Birds based their song Turn, Turn, Turn on. They just copied it. Um, And we're going to talk about eternity, but his understanding of eternity in the Old Testament was a little limited. It's a little limited. Okay? We get to bridge contexts into our context, and we get to read this book not with just uh, Old Testament vision, but New Testament perspective in our lives. And here is what I get to remind you of that we really delighted in and reveled in for months, and um, it's still true. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says this I am the resurrection and the life. When Jesus rose from death, he was victorious over death. When he rose again from the dead, it did not win over him, but rather life won over death. And his victory is your victory. His victory is our victory together through what the Son of God has done for you in demonstrating what eternal life looks like, it looks like Jesus raised again from the dead and coming back to life. His body is a real body. His body has eyes and hands and feet. Currently, he is seated at the right hand of God. And then I want to just tell you these words. And I hope that they sink deeply into your heart and soul this morning. He says, because I live, you will also live because i live in this body you also will live and have the resurrection of your body and everlasting life that is what you can look forward to as one who has received jesus as your savior from sin and death he has conquered sin and death on your behalf so As we look to his second coming, his visible return, when we will receive the resurrection of our bodies and eternal life. And as we think about all of those people that there will be a happy reunion with, a joyful, visible reunion with those people, and we will visibly see Jesus face to face, I cannot wait to see him face to face and to be at his table and eating and drinking and enjoying him and enjoying eternal life. Here is what the word of God says, too, um, as we put this thought of the long game and the outcomes we are toiling for into our minds and into our vision for our lives. Check this out. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. This is from Paul writing about suffering, but look at the trajectory. Of this passage, he says this For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Sounds like a good parallel passage for Solomon, doesn't it? We're looking not to the things that are seen because those things are transient. If we put all of our eggs in that basket, if we put all of our hope there, he says, that's not a good place to put your hope. But then he says, look to the things that are unseen. Why? For the things that are seen are transient or temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul David Tripp, who we've been looking at in this series, wrote a great book called New Morning Mercies. Look at what he says. We were made to live with one eye on now and one eye on forever. That's how you were designed to live. We were made to live with the long game in mind. So if you take away nothing else from this sermon, just I want you to take that phrase or that thought with you today as you go home. I want you to say, say long game. Okay, we're going to do it again. Uh, Say long game. long game. There we go. I was going to say you can't you can't let all of like eighty and ninety year olds blow you out from the first service. Like that is not okay. So um, we're living with the one eye on the now and one eye on the forever. That is the vision that God wants to give you, and here is an illustration I want to give to demonstrate that this morning. Some of you noticed this here, and you were like, Pastor, why was there a rope behind the piano? Um, I guess orange was the best we could do. Um, it will show up on the, on the camera really nicely. It's kind of a long rope, huh? Goes all the way back behind the piano somewhere. Um, This red part is your life on this earth. The rest of the rope is the long game, is eternal life. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Some people in my life, after I came to know Christ, they're like, Why are you making the decisions you're making? And I was like, why are you making the decisions you're making? Even though we know this, as believers, often we're just thinking about here. We're worried about here. We're freaking out about stuff that doesn't matter here. Here. But the word of God this morning, is seeking to captivate your vision with not the short game, but the long game. And here are, it's out of the camera now. Um, here are the three things that will translate to the long game. That will go with you. Your money and your possessions won't go with you. They're going to stay here. Here are three things that will go with you. They are Jesus and him being first in your life, his word being at the forefront of your life, and love. That is what is going to matter that will make a difference in the outcomes for the long game. Jesus first, Hebrews chapter 12. The writer says this. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. He is going to translate to the long game. Our temptation is to worry about what other people think, laboring for other people's approval, worrying about what so many people think of us. Or we can get into this mindset where it's kind of Jesus, but it's kind of a lot of other things that are our Lord. And and something else is running our lives. But what I would tell you on this day is this. Would those things, or those people even, would they die for you? Jesus died for you as your Lord. Jesus died for you as your Savior. He is what is going to matter in the long game. And so, if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't yet received the forgiveness, life, and salvation for the long game in their lives, I want to invite you this morning to believe and you will receive. Jesus has come not to just be a good guy, but He's come to be Savior. He has not come just to give good teachings. But he's come to give you eternal life. And he did it by being God in the flesh, atoning for your sin. That means forgiving you of your sin, rising again from death, conquering death. There is no one else in human history that has taken care of the problem of sin and death except for Jesus Christ. And so, believe and you will receive. Uh, Number two, treasure his word to you. Uh, I was talking to... um, My daughter the other day, and I said, how good of a relationship would I have with your mom if we didn't talk? And they said, probably not a good one. In the same way, Jesus says these words, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Matthew 24, verse 35, his word translates to the long game. You're not always going to feel like reading it. You're not always going to feel like hearing it. But I want to tell you this. Hearing and treasuring his word is the training ground for eternity. Every time you come here, we're going to open up the word of God and we're going to hear from God. What did the scriptures have to say inspired by the Holy Spirit to give you the training for eternity as we play? Not the short game. But we're treasuring his word for the long game. And what I would tell you is also this. His word lights your path. His word fuels your soul and your mind so that you can keep Jesus first in your life. He who began a good work in you by his word will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. And then number three, love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Some of you... I had this read at your wedding uh, ceremony. Um, Here it is. So now these three remain faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Why does he say that? Why wouldn't faith be better or hope be better? He says that because when you're there and you're looking at Jesus face to face, you're going to no longer need faith and hope. What will translate for eternity is love. Faith is in what you can't see. That's the definition of faith. Love is all of those people that have been touched by the love of God through his son, Jesus Christ, that will be there forever and whoever else, God's will is to be there I was checking out this article that our uh, director of children's ministry put out, Katie Cleveland. She put some great articles out uh, on her Facebook page. You all ought to subscribe to that. She put an article from parentq.org and it was talking about how much time families spend together today. How much time do you think families spend together today? The research of this article said 37 minutes a day. And I was like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my goodness. How, as we play the long game, how much time are we giving to people that we love? As we consider rebooting our schedules post-pandemic, are they going to look exactly like they were pre-pandemic? I was uh, coaching uh, our, or it was junior varsity one year, the second year was varsity girls uh, basketball for St. John's. So I volunteered to do that, and uh, it was a great experience. But here's what would happen like a couple times. So uh, there would be a couple girls that would leave practice. And they would say, uh, Andrew, we have to leave practice. And I'd say, why? And they'd say, we got to go, we're on a soccer team too. And I was like, wow, your parents think you can master basketball and soccer in one season. That's phenomenal. Um, And then, you know, I was like, you know, we're, you know, playing Bethlehem. And I'm like, this is why we're getting blown out by Bethlehem. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's the end of the season and we don't know the plays because we haven't come to practice. And what we have is we have these over-scheduled boys and girls that are just trying to keep up to be Superman and Superwoman for some reason that I don't know. What is the point? And it's not just about beating Bethlehem, but my my point, like, what's the point? What's the point of all of it? The word of God is reframing and saying, what's really gonna matter in the end? just found out the other day, so I wanna just shoot broader than our families, but I just found out the other day, my neighbor, I saw him in a wheelchair, and he's about my age. So his wife tells my wife, he has MS, a degenerative d- disease, and diabetes, and he's lost all this weight. Is he in a wheelchair? Now, if I'm playing the short game, I'm too busy to visit him. I'm too tired to visit him. I got four children. I got a lot of stuff. But if I'm playing the long game, I'm going to get over there. And I'm going to pray with him. And I'm going to share the love of Jesus with him. And I'm going to love him. Because what's going to matter in the end? Love. That's what's going to last forever and ever. And love, sacrificial, unconditional love from Jesus, will have no end. So, he concludes here, and he says this. There is nothing better for a person then that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. So joy, outcomes, fruit is gonna come from him. And then he says, for apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment for to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy And so what he is wrapping it up with is this. A a lot of you are going to have a meal today, and it's just so awesome that you get to have that sacredness. And what he's saying, enjoyment of your work, enjoyment of your toil. Here's what he's saying. Live each day with the joy of the Lord, focusing on what you can control, focusing on enjoying the gift of life that is from God. And then leave it all out on the field because he says, who is the one that pleases God? Who is that person? It's really simple. The way that you can please God is with faith. Leave it all out on the field. And then with faith, you say, God, you do The rest, you, we ask you for fruit. We ask you for hearts. We ask you for lives. We ask you for outcomes. We ask you for results. He's gonna do his part. We're gonna do our part. And then by God's grace, the people that we're loving on will do their part. It's not all on you. We're going after outcomes. But at the end of the day, We trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways acknowledge him and he will make your path and my path straight. What is your pursuit? What are the outcomes that you're laboring hard for? Please, by the grace of God and the power of the spirit of God, take away these three things to fuel those outcomes. Jesus first, treasure his word today and forever. And then know that his love and his peace and his glory is what is going to last forever and ever. And his kingdom will have no end. And so here is your uh, application question for this week. We always want to be hearers of the word, but then also doers of the word of what the scriptures shared with us. The question is this. What reprioritization is God seeking to give you this week? How will the word of God form and shape and guide you? And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and guard your mind through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.